good to be back and good to discuss. Um, I don't know where you want to start. I think that this is something that can be rooted in like feelings and current, you know, or current experiences. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think maybe the topic for today would be, you know, dealing with women, marriage, um, the volatility of of marriage and, and the, the institution of, of, of marriage and maybe sometimes the promises that we make. Um, and also just, you know, just, I think the relationships, relationships are very capricious, you know, like they, uh, things can go good for a while, things can go bad. Uh, and I guess, you know, kind of, I would like to dedicate this podcast to anyone that's um, in a relationship that's had difficulties or experiencing difficulties. And maybe we could share some insights about, you know, what to do, not what, what's worked for us, what hasn't worked for us um, and how to keep your relationship alive when things are tough and, you know, what are the natural consequences when, um, when things don't work out and then what, what happens then and, and how do you deal with that? And then, you know, there's, there's a lot, lots of times there's shame associated to that. There's feelings of failure. It's, 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 it hurts everybody. Um, so maybe we, we could sort of, you know, wade in that water a little bit, but, um, yeah, I'll let you start, John. And it's just like, what do you want to talk about in the sense of, um, relationships? And I guess, you know, how, how much you decide to share is really up to you. Uh, so there's no pressure there. So to, but you know, if you want to outline your situation and, 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 and stuff that maybe could help other people, that would be good. Yeah, well, I'll do my best. You know, I think that every, uh, all relationships are kind of a case by case uh, scenario, um, a situation, um, and they are situational. Um, but I guess we could, uh, begin, um, talking about just the idea, you know, of, uh, I hope this is a good way to start, but the idea of like love and like the human nature of companionship, right. This like inner desire to have companionship, um, and, and, and the need, uh, actually to have companionship. Um, and then we can like move into how it's, how that's kind of playing out in today's world, um, with all the forces that be. Um, but yeah, you know, like, um, well, we're both married. Okay. And so I got married, you know, there was a point where I never wanted to have kids, you know, up until the age of probably 35, when I started having this, I don't know, I think, I feel like it's part partially biological, um, like a, a craving, right? Like a biological craving, but it's more than just biological. I think it was like philosophical because I wanted to start a family because I wanted to be able to share, well, my experiences, my knowledge and my, you know, my resources with someone else aside from myself, because, you know, like I understand a lot of people say like, what's the point in getting married these days or even having kids? What's the point? Like marriage is an ancient institution, right? And uh, I believe it's an ancient institution because it's, it's, well, like I said, we all crave like love and we all crave um, teamwork, family, tithe, right? It's a sense of security. But I feel in today's world, like it's been flipped upside down and it's more complicated now than ever. So I'm not going to say it's an outdated institution. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm kind of a believer. Um, and I believe in like so a lot of the arguments that religions make and also other philosophies. Um, so I, you know, I still have a lot of respect for the, the institution of marriage and of course the, um, 
the development and the the actuality of a, a family, having a family. So I think it's a wonderful thing. I think that it's still um, laden with many blessings, um, but then we kind of go to the dark side. So, I mean, why did you get married? Like, I mean, because you waited till such an old age. Sorry, I shouldn't say old age, but uh, 74 like years me. old I was, 74. Um, he was 74, now he's 76 or 75. <laughs> um, I definitely believe that, like the, the question to throw back at you is that, do you believe in love? And is that a real thing? And then uh, I definitely believe there's this biological instinct to to share and to to reproduce and to there's this this feeling of 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 being insufficient or this feeling of wanting to share and, and wanting to connect. I, I definitely feel that's an innate biological urge because I definitely had that. Um, for me, I, I felt like, you know, I, I came to Colombia and I wanted to be an international teacher. And I thought, you know, if, if I find the right person to build something with, then I'm open. If I don't, then I'm just going to keep doing me. I'm going to keep growing. And I found someone that I connected with pretty well. And, um, and I thought, let's take a risk and, and, and see if I can build something. But to answer your question, I think anyone that develops uh, like a long-term relationship, what you're trying to build is a connection. You're trying to build that love and trust and communication and support, emotional support, conversation, those real beautiful things of having companionship. It's not because you need it. It's kind of like you said, it's like, I'm, I'm who I am and I value myself and I want to share that with someone that appreciates it. So I think we have that desire. And I think children are, are an expansion of that because I understand, bro, these days, I believe that you are punished to have children, economically punished, right? Your career is 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 punished. Your energy is punished. Your time is punished. Your body's punished, right? So I think, you know, there's society doesn't help in the, in the in, or encourage. Let's talk about Western society, Australia, in uh, Colombia, the two countries that I can vouch for. So it's it's like well why do I why do I why am I willing to to move through that adversity and and experience having children and I think that's got to be something about wanting to express love and expand the the family expand that connection to to ch to a child and then and then when I've spoken to my wife about why people have children and or don't have children the one the one point the, the main argument that I think seems to win is that the only reason why you should be a you want to be a father or a mother is because you want to be a a good strong guide a guide a mentor someone that wants to give love um, without too many expectations so if you want to be a guide you want to be someone that gives yourself to somebody else and, and nurtures then being a, a parent is a beautiful ex, uh, expression like human expression because like you said, it's philosophically, if you don't have children and that's, that's, you know, if you, if, if anyone's listening right now and they're not interested in having children, I respect that. But I'll, I'll ask you is that, you know, do you want to miss out on that part of the human experience by not having children? And are you okay with that? And if the answer is yes, then okay, I'll take my hat off to you and that's totally fine. And if the answer is no, I would like to experience what it's like to be a guide, a father, you know, or, or a mother and, um, and raise a child. Um, then I think you enter in a, into another stage of your life and another world that you wouldn't get to experience. So that's a very long answer to, to explain you know, the thinking of where I was. Um, but I think maybe to 
add to that because you, you said something I really liked, which was the dark side. How much of that is like, you know, is, is viewed through uh, rose colored rose colored lenses of like it being positive and it's it's always good and it's you know it's not going to be difficult you're not going to argue you're not going to fight you're not going to your wife's not going to leave and take half of your shit um or you know the the times where it's difficult right when the kids are screaming and and or you run out of money um or she's yelling at you because you went out with your friends and you were drinking and you you, you know you, you you're being irresponsible like there is an element of reality as well that I think we don't tend to to focus on the, the dark side or, or the, the the real challenges of being married or, or being in a long term relationship. It gets it gets a bit gnarly or it gets a bit um, sticky. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Do you do you believe? Let me ask you again. I guess do you believe in love? Is that really the thing that keeps us together uh, in relationships? Uh, or is, is it really infatuation or is it just sexual attraction or is it a little bit of, of everything? Yeah. And I would say, okay, to, to say it directly, yes, I, I do believe in love. Um, um, but you know, there's the, what's the other side of the coin of love, right? Um, you know, the yin and the yang, the, the good and the bad. So what would be the other side of love? And what I think most of us can agree it would be something along the lines of like hate. So I think ultimately people prefer to be in a happier state, right? Because hate isn't good for anybody. It's not good for the the hater or the hatee, you know. Um, it's just or anybody surrounding either of those figures. So we've learned this. I think it's something that humans know on a very very deep level, like subconscious, um, maybe DNA, <laughs> biological level. Um, I think we just know this thing. However, just because we know it doesn't mean we erase the other side of the coin or, you know. Um, so, yes, I do believe in love. And I believe that um, it's a wonderful, powerful um, emotion. And it has, you know, the capabilities of healing, growing, um, improving, overcoming, and even conquering many things so yeah man i do believe in love and i believe we do need it you know um you know jesus was a great example of that those of you that um uh i i don't consider myself religious but i do i am a, a man of stories and i and i do love the story the christ story and we know from that story that it was grounded in this idea of love and you can see what happened over about two thousand years the world kind of was like um rewritten or recreated or reconstructed um, based on this notion, right? Of forgiveness and acceptance and caring for those, even those that don't like you, you still care for them, right? Uh, even if you go back to the Old Testament in the mitzvahs, they say you do not, which is the mitzvahs, there's like, I believe 617 or 627 or sorry, my numbers are wrong, but I know there's more than 600. I'm going to guess 617 right now. Um, 617 laws of or mitzvahs and one of them is you do not have to like everyone right you don't have to like everyone in fact you can even dislike people but you have to love them because they're all the same creation right we're all part of the same creation and it just works out better that way so that's my interpretation on love i do believe in it do i struggle with it yes 100 percent 
in fact, I'm going through a great struggle right now with it. And sometimes I doubt it, but that's also part of like faith is doubt, right? You can't have one without the other. Um, yeah. So I think you answered my question pretty well. Um, I'll, I'll, my, my gut instinct is that we're controlled. Like for me, I, I see three levels. I see we're, we're controlled by biology, then it's social conditioning, then it's our personal psychology and our belief systems. And I think all of those things are happening at the same time. Um, but what I want to talk about, man, and which is very relevant to me, and I think every man's struggle is, is the hardship of relationships and, and why a lot of men basically either divorce or, or, or can't sustain a long-term relationship because of, because it's difficult. And I think it's difficult for a number of reasons. Uh, when I had my, when we had our daughter, I was with my, my wife for basically five years and on the, on the sixth year, we, uh, sixth year, you know, my daughter was born and it totally changed the dynamics of our relationship. Uh, but I feel like if you're in a long-term relationship, you know, when it's after, I feel like three months is the honeymoon. Three months is like three months. If you're in a relationship with a woman or, or let's say a man, and uh, that first three months of being with that person is just, it's just euphoria. It's beautiful. And I think six months kind of settles down a bit and it, you find that kind of, it, it, but it's still fun and exciting, right? It's still fun and exciting. I think after it takes about a year for kind of your brains to kind of like settle and really get to know each other. And there's this realistic um, element of who you are and the other person becomes comfortable to, to show them these really quirky parts and, you know, the weird parts or uh, maybe the stuff that they've kind of kept hidden um, some of the trauma starts to, you know, peak its little ugly head, uh, you know, in those conditionings. But I feel like after that first year, it gets real again, it, it gets real and it gets tough. And, um, and I feel like, to be honest, as a man, I think women are generally difficult because they are hormonal and I might be called really sexist and, um, misogynistic for saying this, but I, I feel like, a lot of times that women go through cycles of emotions and as a man, you're expected to just wear it. You're expected to, to just um, deal with, tolerate, uh, be patient and loving when a woman is irritated, when a woman is angry, when a woman wants to take out a frustration on you, um, when a woman is, is attacking you, when a woman wants to be left alone. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of that darkness and there's a lot of that negative energy in a relationship. And, as a man, it's kind of like if you, it seems like if you operate in any other modus besides being patient, tolerant, loving, and caring, all the relationship, it just explodes into, into conflict really quickly. And I just feel like, you know, well, I don't know how much you want to talk about your struggle, but I would say is that you know, when, for me personally, I think that it's it's kind of hypocritical that men are just expected to tolerate that and then that's that's considered to be the the status quo uh but i'll ask you is like well what things in your relationship worked well what things in your relationship didn't work well and and what was the cause and reason for your relationship to kind of really struggle yeah let me first say uh first of all that you know, we do live in a time where like talking about reality uh, brings upon a, um, a battalion, a, 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 
a hailstorm of criticism, um, labeling, uh, unrealistic labeling, right? Um, and because we're having this conversation, I mean, I, I wouldn't consider this at all misogynistic or math, you know, um, anything along those lines, or I don't even consider it unfair. I think the only way we can handle or deal or work through these problems is by having discussions, right? We can't go it alone. And this goes back to that concept of love and community is that we need each other. Why? Because we're social animals. And how do we use our sociality? We, we communicate, we dialogue, we talk about things. And that is a really a great source of relief. Um, but man, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very complicated time. Um, and, you know, I, I really believe that what you said is, yeah, in, we're expected to, to um, take care of, uh, well, our family as a man, we're supposed to take care of our family in as many ways as possible from protection to doing regular like labor laborious um, um, chores uh, to supporting emotional health um, of, of everybody in the family, you know, and I feel like before I get into my personal uh, life and my person, the current situation that I'm in, which is, well, not as happy as I was hoping it would be, to be honest, to be completely blunt. It's uh, really got me profoundly confused um, in a variety of ways. And you said earlier something about feeling guilt and shame. And yeah, I feel those things. But, you know, I feel like, you know, that, that, that we, it was easier at one point. I, I really do. Like, so if we if if we were to say that we are supposed to nurture emotions you know um not too long ago the child actually brought more unity to the family because what happened is the child was came around and both parents were happy and that was the focus that was the center of the family was the child right um and you know that gave at that time in history that gave um, our mothers uh, and our women a great amount of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, a great amount of meaning in their lives, compassion, and they saw the power of that. You know, the, ba the children like learned languages from their mother primarily. But in today's world, like, um, you know, I feel like there's too much, you know, now the mother, instead of just being, or the father, the family, instead of just being a house that is focused on the family and, and or organizing, collecting, accumulating resources are now like being, you know, and those were the problems, right? Health, resources, uh, contentment, education, that was about it. Um, survival, basic stuff. Uh, but now there's a much different, much different take on this, man. And I think that men could at one time actually help women, um, uh, support women in the way that they should um, by being there emotionally and to, to hear them out and to listen to them. But, and it, you said, and we all agree, I believe, I, I, I'll say my words, is that it takes an abundance of energy, like a, a, a fountain, of ever-flowing fountain of energy. But I don't think it, it always ha was that way. Like, I feel now that, like, instead of just worrying about the kid and the family members, now you're worrying about what's on your phone, what's on the movie, the story from the movie, right? Like the romantic stories that are very unrealistic. 
Uh, social media is very unrealistic. And so I, I really feel that this breeds a lot of unhappiness and discontentment. And it creates a roller coaster of a of emotional, like, I don't want to say turmoil, but like, I mean, that's the that's the the negative side of it, but of uh, excitement and turmoil, you know? And so now I feel like men are being, husbands are being judged uh, in some respects to what their wives or their counterparts are experiencing on this, this illusion, which is not real at all. Like social media, man, like everybody posts happy pics. It's always so, happy So are you pics. saying that maybe there's an imbalance there in the, in the sense of typical gender roles, um, you know, the expenditure of energy, being able to support each other in meaningful ways, because I think that's got to be said too, is that women uh, maybe experience that roller coaster um, of emotions, but depending on how much they're working, depending on how comfortable they are, how, you know, the, the family situation, there's, there's a, so many things that um, influence that. And there's also, it's got to be said too, that women have such a powerful positive role in the household as the mother, um, as the, as the queen, as that nurturing feminine energy, which is really important to be nurtured. But if a woman is out of whack, if she's working 12 hours a day, um, like my wife is at the moment and, um, you know, and I'm literally holding my daughter in my hands for longer than she is during the day. Um, and then, you know, she's stressed out, you know, we lose, we lose that, that, that purpose. We lose that identity. We lose that connection with our family. Then of course the, the relationships are going to suffer. Right. And is that just a shitty trade-off that we, that we are willing to pay that we shake hands with the devil, so to speak, so that we can earn earn a salary and your wife can work so the kids can be educated and and you're not you know you're you're earning money, but you're not with your children, right? and you're you're earning money, but you're not supporting your husband and your husband can't support you because he's always working. You know what I mean something seems very out of whack and and the emotional stability of these relationships, surely they're going to suffer because of and, and not to mention the the social media stuff that you were talking about, right? So I'll switch it back to you, but yeah, I guess I just wanted to add a, a layer to that, or um, I wanted to add, you know, my perspective to that in the sense of, I really feel that those, those, um, the way that we spend our energy and the things that we're, we're trying to do so much, it's not always a good thing for the, the family unit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a better way to, to regress a little bit. I kind of jumped far ahead talking about those things but yeah i i um we'll get back to like social media maybe maybe later in the podcast but uh for now yeah just the the structure the fam familial structure you know changed uh uh like in the 20s or, or sorry the um around world war ii it, there was a drastic change um in the workforce and then it just became the norm and and i and i i don't want to point fingers but i i feel like that the I, I don't know that the that the the society maybe the 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 crafters of society uh, saw a great benefit to having twice the size of workforce uh, before you know children first of all take so much energy it is insane and any parent out there knows exactly what I'm talking about um, they are 
this I, I don't I don't even know, but they are a drain on on their parents' energy. And not too long ago, uh, there was a system in place the, uh, the 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 family the atomic family, and there was a system in place where one parent could could go out fight struggle to to accumulate gather and return the resources for the benefit of the whole um but then again like i said after world war ii it became um well a requirement of of both parents to work and i think part of that is because it's it shifted from a world of you know roof water food and protection to a world of materialism where you know you want your you want to have the nicer car, uh, they or whatever. They want to have a nicer kitchen. We want all the toys for our kids. You know, we want to spoil them and put them into a thousand camps and uh, in the best schools. Um, and I just feel like that change of requiring both parents to work and then just like the loss of resources with this modern like addiction to material wealth and etc has taken away from the family completely and children require so much energy that if both parents and so do jobs right jobs take so much of our energy like you've got all sorts of relationships within jobs that you have to nurture so you go through your day uh anywhere from eight to well like you said 12 hours which i think is ridiculous i don't think you should do anything after 12 hours except for go home eat read a chapter and go to bed wake up go back to your slave-like life and do your 12 hours, eat, shit, piss, shower, read a chapter, go to sleep. I mean, that's all you can do with a 12-hour shift. Now let's go to the eight-hour shift, which is what I have. And I, well, you know, teachers have an eight-hour shift, but in general, we have more work than that outside. But let's not get into that because it's not as bad as being required 12 hours per day. I don't see how people can have energy to nurture anything outside of their job when they work that much you know what i mean and i think that's a big part of it so this this change to both people having to work was one radical shift that i really feel uh chipped away at the the, the contentment the happiness the um, uh, sustainability of a family and then we get into this place where now you know I mean, back in the day, a 12-hour shift for one of the family, one of the parents, okay, if that's what you got to do to kind of get up and get ahead, if the father or the mother, but let's just stick to traditional stuff for a moment for the sake of the, the discussion. Uh, if the if the father went out for 12 hours, at least one parent was there all day and they could, you know, we're allotted only so much energy per day. And during that day, they could just devote that to the house and family. Boom. That was it. There was no outside stresses. There was no, um, you know, um, temptations. It was just what we did. And so it wouldn't have been so bad if only one of us had to work 12 hours uh, just to get ahead. But now it's like both people have to work at least the eight hours. So then you only have four hours with your family, right? And if you have more than one kid, holy shit, I don't even know Dude, it's barely possible with one kid. And I would love to have three kids, but I've learned now that I don't, you know, I'm not going to have any more. Uh, well, I, you know, one's enough. But yeah, what do you think about that, man? Because I really, I just think it's unrealistic. You know, you what's, know? You know what else to add to that and that yeah, you didn't ahead. touch on is, is, is property and debt. And so yeah, property, yeah, yeah. property and debt and credit has been, I think, some of the biggest scam ever. 
and it's banks, corporate companies make so much money while the banks are in bed with the, uh, with the government. So you have people buying brand new plots of brand new plots of land. They build brand new, beautiful homes because they want a safe, uh, clean place for their family. And I think everyone should be entitled to that. Uh, but they get themselves in a lot of debt and then they, then they have the brand new cars. This is obviously in Western society, brand new car. It happens a lot in Australia and they have the toys and they have the TVs and the furniture. And it's just like, if you want that quality of life and a lot of people can have that life. If you're, if you're a middle, middle-class Australian, you can have that. Um, but you're probably going to be in debt for at least 20 years. Right. But oh, people at are, least. Yeah. And usually the mortgages are 30 years and people refinance, but I feel like this debt thing is, is a huge scam. People just, they're buying, it's, it's the disease of consumerism. They're buying at a level they really don't need to. And then to sustain it, then, well, guess what? Both the, the man or who's the traditional breadwinner or, or both people have to be breadwinners because you've got to pay that mortgage you've got to pay those car repayments. You've got to pay for everything else. And you're, your cost, your your to to live the the number the little the number on your head that you need just to break even is ridiculous, right? Is ridiculous. You know, the minimum mortgage repayment and even the minimum grocery shopping, the minimum the minimum amount of fuel that you need to put in your car, the minimum that you need to pay all your bills. That number for people, you know, could be two thousand, three thousand, four thousand, five thousand dollars a month as the minimum payment. Right. So I think that's a huge trap for people. And, you know, consumerism, I think, is really being used against people to manipulate them into being forced to be uh, kind of committed to the workforce for a huge portion of their lives to, to maintain that standard of living. And I wonder, is it worth it? I wonder, do you need that new house so quickly? Do you need those new cars? Do you need the house to be that big? Do you need all the new te televisions and uh, do you need all of those things so, so quickly? And then are you willing to, to, you know, already forecasted in the future, spend that energy and, and sacrifice that energy to, to, to have the money to pay all of that back. So you're already, you've already sold your future life. You know, like you've signed yeah. up for 30 years, you've already sold. Okay. You're telling the world that, okay, I'm ready to, to work for the next 20 or 30 years to pay for all this stuff that I've got now. And there's no really way, there's not a clear way out of that. And that's, I don't know, man, for me, that's really, I don't want to say disturbing or confronting. It's not the right word. I would say that it's, I think it's, if it wasn't based on so much greed from the banks and, and from um, governments, I'd say go for it. But I feel like it's just, I don't know. The question is, you know, do you love your job? Do you love what you do? Do you love your purpose? Have you found the balance? Okay. It might be right for you, but I would, I would say to anyone be careful about that before you're willing to sign your life away for 20 years uh, for materialistic things that perhaps you don't need. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's another one of the great forces. So we had the great, the, the, the first one was the, the, the requirement for two parents to work for the masses, right? We know that there are people out there like Bezos, Trump, Zuckerberg, even lower uh, rich people, much lower that yes, they, they can actually do what we were talking about, where one person works, everybody else enjoys the home, you know, they got support, they got a team there. Uh, but let's talk about the other 95% of us that is unfeasible, 
It's it's un it's impossible, really. It is. So that was number one was the two parent. I think that's the beginning of breaking away our happiness and family and community was the two parents. Now you got two people running around trying to do the same exact thing to, to meet the same cause. Then you go into this, this idea. Once we had two parents, I think in the beginning, there was an ability to accumulate more wealth, right? At the sacrifice of the children. Okay. So we cannot forget that. Okay. Now we have two parents working. We do have more. We do have uh, excess income. We can do something with this now, but really, uh, what 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 could what should we have done was to just keep accumulating um or just finding ways to use that for the family's benefit but what happens is you said the banks they came up with this brilliant scheme let's have people develop our country for us by selling them land and having them build their homes or we can develop the land build a home and then have them pay for it right because ultimately in the end that is never your house ever you know what I mean? Like the government owns it forever. And, and how do they do that? Well, through taxes. If you don't pay your taxes, even if you paid your house off all the interest, 30 years, 40 years, you're done. Last bill goes out. You're never done paying for that house. So it's like you're renting the land off the government. So in a sense, you actually just developed the land for them. It's a very brilliant piece of trickery. It's an absolute deception. And is it nice to have a house? In some ways, yes, it is. I have a house, but I'll tell you what, I'm actually not that stoked on it anymore. It's created way too many problems. And we can get into that later if you can remind me, because I want to go a little bit further. Um, but once you get this house, you have to get the furniture. And like you said, and then you have to maintain it, right? And then it just goes on and on, this materialism, right? And it just, all that potential ability to accumulate excess wealth to, to pass down to your children is disappearing, if not fully disappeared already. Um, because, yeah, it's uh, so we broke up the house, right? The, 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 the family unit. Then we created this sense of ownership and entitlement and uh, class status by property ownership. And again, I want to reiterate, you better remove that word ownership because you will never own it no matter what. It's impossible. The government owns it forever. And they're just waiting for you to fucking slip up and not make those two payments. And then they take it from you. Go ahead. I see yeah, I think that's a, a great ex explanation because it's, it's really, if you were to do it, if you were to just say, I'm going to take this land, I'm going to take this 50 hectares and I'm going to divide it into... 300 square meter blocks and sell it, you know, you would be in, you would be put into jail. The government does it and it's totally okay that they can just sell off land uh, for whatever, basically, and, and, and manipulate the, the real estate market. And then they can put taxes on it. <laughs> and, and then they, it's, it becomes developed by tradespeople. And then they, they make, they, every time you buy and sell land, there's taxes. It's, it's pretty crazy. Right. So I think, I think it needs to be super regulated is, is the thing. And, um, you know, I think it's fine. Like personally, I think it's fine to own property. I think it's smart to own property and, and let's not play around with the semantics of semantics of that word. Um, but I think what matters is don't do it at the expense of, you know, of your family, of, of, you know, neglecting the relationship with, with your wife or, you know, you're trying to accumulate wealth for your kids and you, you don't get to see your kids because you're always working for that house. 
right? So that's the yeah. irony or, you know, you're working for that house and you're paying, you know, twice the the loan repayments, you're paying twice back in, in principal, in, in, in interest payments more than the principal, you borrow $500,000, you end up paying back a million, um, a million dollars because the, or a million, $1.2 million, whatever, because the banks are greedy and they want to make their cut, right? But then why are you doing it? Are you doing it because you want to give your kids, are you actually going to pass on that wealth to your kids? Are you going to improve their quality of life? Because from what I've, from my parents, man, you know, my parents worked their asses off. They bought property, uh, they scrimped and saved. Um, and then my mom died of cancer. And then she was like, she never got to enjoy any of that property. You know, she, um, and then my dad was like, well, my dad was always working. And it's kind of like, if you don't, he didn't really invest into his children into much else. And then it's like, I've got this stuff, but I haven't been able to invest my energy into the relationships with my kids, into into education, into uh, developing strong family and, and social connections, into the relationship with um, with his wife. And my mom and my mom and dad got to travel a lot more when they were, you know, in the, when they were older. They got to travel a bit, thankfully. Um, but I I think about the sacrifice they made, and I just think it's 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 crazy, right? I think it's crazy that. You're working so much for these things, and instead of benefiting the family directly, it's 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 going to be like, oh, one day, you know, maybe one day we can appreciate this. Maybe one day in the future you can appreciate this, and then and then this is this extended, um, delayed, delayed enjoyment of something. Whereas, man, the moment is now. The moment yeah, exactly. is now. I yeah. like that you said that that concept of like. Oh, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to sacrifice. And one day. And what are they talking about when they're talking about one day? It's a day that doesn't exist today. There is actually, to play a spin on words, there is only one day. And that day is today, right now. It's the day that you're in. So this weird uh, illusion that, and I'm, I hope I'm not offending anybody by using the word weird, because I understand the romantic perspective of accumulating and setting up a, a, a possible golden future for your children. But I want to focus on the expense of that. How, how can you make that happen? Well, that's by not getting to know your children as well as you could. Not being able to actually have precious moments today that you actually could. Because we're putting it into this idea that it's a hypothetical. It doesn't even really exist. Anything can happen. Um, so yeah, I think that's a super important thing, um, topic, you know, and this happened to me. So my, my wife and I, we were staying in a, a really nice, a really nice condo, a condominium, you know, and it was safe. It was gated. And not only that, once you're inside, there's a huge park and there's multiple swimming pools and there's just green and there's pathways and there's zero cars, zero motorcycles. It's just safe. And I was comfortable and happy, but there is this idea, but I'll be honest, like I've always wanted to own because you're right. If you get in a situation, ownership can be beneficial, but, uh, but that's a different story. That's a long thing, but it's not necessary for a happy, ha happy life. And so we were actually quite happy over there. Um, again, very safe. Uh, but we have this idea that we want to be able to pass something down to my son. But I guarantee you, most children would say, I just wanted my mom and dad there. 
that's all I wanted. You know, I'm, I'm a prime example of that. You know, my, my, my parents separated and all I wanted was my father to be there. And my mother had to work her ass off. And so all I wanted was my mom to be home too. I, I missed them, you know, and we all missed each other. Um, and that's a little bit different because there was a divorce, but even my friends whose parents both work, right? Um, so we bought this house, man. And uh, we bought it for 3.5 million bot, which is equivalent to about a hundred at the time, about $110,000, $100,000, which is actually pretty cheap if you think about it. But why was it so cheap? because we went outside the city so now what happens is we all we had so our basically our mortgage or our payment went up about 50 percent okay went up 50 percent with the idea that in the future we'd have it paid off and my son would be well off my wife commutes an hour each way to work whereas before it was like 20 minutes so that's an that what is that one hour and 20 minutes per day and she has to do six days a week. So one hour and 20 minutes, that's six hours, eight hours a week, less time for house responsibility, uh, time with your children, time to relax and meditate and exercise and take care of yourself. All that's gone for what? This idea that there is a golden future ahead. And uh, well, uh, we maybe we don't need to dive completely into the darkness, but eventually pretty soon here, we are going to be talking about how this can impact relationships and it impacted mine for the worst. So uh, my wife and I are separated now, which is a topic that we are going to throw into this. Um, and it's very sad. And uh, I think it, it, I mean, we had some issues before, but I think this was the, the pushing over the cliff, right? Um, you know, once we bought the house, what happened? Well, we spent about, Eight seven hundred thousand baht. Um, adding the patio, like remodeling a brand new house because here you buy the shell that you don't have your driveway, you don't have that. So we spent that. Then for furniture to furnish the house, we spent an additional uh, four or five hundred thousand baht, and it's still going right. Our house isn't fully furnished. It's furnished enough. It's nice. We just happen to have two basic and empty rooms. You know, there's no paintings on the wall. There's no decorations because we we spent all this money. So we put ourselves further into debt just to furnish the place. And you can imagine this creates so much stress. Now I feel like I need to work more than my normal job. And my wife is trying to pick up extra shifts so that we can have more money because we spent. Okay. Fast forward two years, we've paid off all that furniture. We've paid off everything except for the house. Um, even all the renovations paid off. Um, still commuting way too long on dangerous, dangerous roads. I mean, this is Bangkok, dude. It's one of the most deadly countries in the world. Uh, and I should start, Bangkok is one of the most dangerous cities in the world to drive in. I think it's like number two or three for death um, because it's chaos. And uh, to, to, to make your commute longer. So, sorry, I'm going on too long. I want to hear what you think about what I just said, but that's the point I'm talking about is this, this, this idea that's been put into our heads has created something that is almost unsustainable. And even if it is sustainable, it comes with a whole lot of sacrifice and risk, you know? So it, it, it's crazy. We would have been happy before. Now we're in a move on where there's cars zipping by 
food panda delivery, all these delivery services, they don't live there. They don't know how many kids are there and they're zipping by as fast as they can in your city, like in your neighborhood where kids are playing. I hate living here, man. I'm not happy in this place. Uh, I'm scared for my son in this place. So anyways, that was a, getting a lot, very personal pretty quick. Um, but what do you, I mean, like, what do you think about that? Like, was it worth like, and now we're separated. So let me just end with that. Now we're separated. Like, well, we yeah, I think everybody happy. wants to be happy in a relationship with stuff, right? We want the house and we want to be comfortable with the cars and the, and the, and the good quality living. And I think we all have expectations about, you know, getting married and it's going to be beautiful. We're going to be comfortable. Um, and we, you know, marriage is a, is a, is a big thing for people. And we have these idealistic expectations that, um, can be dangerous, you know, like can be dangerous because sometimes we don't always have the money to be able to afford the, the type of lifestyle that we expect for ourselves. And maybe that's, there's a, there's a gap there between reality and, um, reality and expectations and that gap, um, you know, we, we try to fill that gap with credit. So yeah, I think you know that you're not the only one, of course. Um, but I think the the problem is the bigger problem is that when you start prioritizing money, uh, whether it's debt and and working more hours because of credit, because of a house for a lifestyle, I think it just becomes horrible. It just becomes a harrowing experience. It just becomes we're doing this and we have to do it because of the debt. We're doing it, spending more time working and. We, we we lose track of or we we don't prioritize what actually matters which is the time as you said with your family you know that that's that hour and 20 minutes that she's not there every day is is an hour and 20 minutes lost in in human connection and in, in, in love and conversation um in nurturing a child and cooking and cleaning and conversation and watching a movie it's it's just not there so it, that's kind of been robbed from you by um, by that commute. So, and I think as well, man, we just, people fight a lot about money. Money is a, is a big reason for obviously for divorce. So, you know, um, but I don't know, is there ways like, like in hindsight, what would you say to anyone that's kind of in that situation? Like what things could you guys have done to, to manage that financial situation? Once you were kind of like, you know, either in debt, is there, was there an option maybe to rent your house and then live in the closer to the city or what, what things would you have done now in hindsight to kind of manage that? Would you have just sold the house? What would you have done to kind of manage the the debt and the pressure of the debt? Or would you just say that you need to stick it out and uh, get on top of the, the credit so you can, you know, eventually um, not have the, the, the stress of mortgage repayments? I would say to think it out, um, write it down and think about it and just go in. If you're ever going to make a choice like that, just to go in knowing that what we've seen over history, that money, when money becomes the central focus of anything, it, it's, it's disruptive, if not destructive, it's tip. It, it, I think it's actually genuinely <laughs> destructive. Uh, but if you want to do that, I believe as long as you know that you will be suffering, that it comes with sacrifice of time um, and happiness, right? And uh, well, fluid um, resources, right? Uh, then if you're okay with that, 
and you're ready to put up the fight and and practice patience at all levels, then I'd say go for it, you know, like, but just make sure you're not biting too big of a piece off. Um, and always remember that it is going to be stressful and you will have to make sacrifices and it's, you know, never ending. You know, once we paid off all those other things, well, then we had to start furnishing the other parts of the house. The water heater just broke down. Now we have to start just maintenance, right? We got a bunch of maintenance problems that within two years that we're starting to do, but I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do. Um, as long as you're completely mindful, which I wasn't, I was not, I was ignorant of, of the reality and it's been painful. Um, I believe it's a big part of why our relationship deteriorated. You know, I think it's one of the big reasons. Um, and this goes back to like the expectations are of nurturing. You know, I don't feel like I have the energy sometimes to nurture um, the needs of my wife. In fact, I know I don't. Um, I've made myself too busy by trying to pursue a master's degree um, and work, you know, um, and putting myself in debt, you know, so now I'm working extra hours after school too. Not as bad as, it's like better, my situation is better than hers. But, um, you know, um, yeah, just just be mindful of all those things. And um, just remember that the time you spend with your family is way more important than the things you buy for them. And that it will always be the truth. And debt is a very dangerous thing. Um, you know, a lot of uh, spiritual guides throughout history have said the less you have, the more you have. Why do we have that story? Why, why does that permeate all cultures, all continents? Hmm. Sounds like people have been figuring this out for thousands of years, but you know, the illusion just metamorphosizes into something else. So it doesn't seem like the same illusion of the past. It's like, Oh, something new. Great. We got technology. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it just keeps changing shape. But every spiritual guide of the world has always said, get rid of all you have. And you will. Yeah. Maybe it's part of the human experience as well. Like we can, we can know something, but when you've experienced it, it there's a, a level of learning there that's much deeper. But I want to throw, I want to throw something that you said at me a couple of years ago when I was kind of in conflict with my wife. And you said, Steve, you're dating a woman. She speaks a different language and she has a different culture. There's three barriers there that you need to maneuver. And I think that's a big for anyone that's married a woman from another culture that speaks another language. I think that's, it puts your relationship on, on difficulty mode professional, you know, like on, on hard or, or extra hard. Right. And I, I think that it's hard to be able to give your time, give your love, be able to work through a culture, work through a language, you know, find, constantly communicate, keep watering that plan of love. They're real things that take, um, take a lot of time. And it's so easy to neglect that. And, and it's not even neglecting. It's just not having the time to really invest in that, in that relationship, you know, because you, you think that, or like we think that, ah, by doing those extra hours or working on that master's degree, I'm going to, I'm going to have more in the future. And I'm doing that not really for me. I'm doing that because I want our family to be better. And I think a lot of men fall into that trap. You know, it's like, ah, oh, I'm working more because I'm paying more off the mortgage. I'm working more because I want my kids to have more things. I'm working more because I want my wife to go to that holiday and have those nice shoes. 
Whereas really, as you said, is that what they really want and what we all really want is you and your time and your energy and your presence, right? That they're the things that we really deep. They're the things that are, are so much more primal and important on the, the human connection level, you know? So, you know, there's, there's a lot of things there, to be honest, uh, John, and I feel like it's um, the money definitely puts a lot of strain on a relationship, but it's not easy to, my wife is Colombian. It's not easy to be in a relationship with a Colombian with, and you're, I'm Australian. We have a different, different way of thinking. So, yeah. you know, how much, how much of your conflict has stemmed from, um, from a different culture, different expectations and a lack of communication and, and how do you maneuver through that? And, and how do you keep your relationship? How hard was it to deal with that? You know, and, um, how did you maneuver through that? Do you know, did you, did you let her win all the time on, and were, was more uh, accepting and, and open and, and flexible with her because it's her country. You know, it's, there's a lot there to unpack. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really good point. So we, um, I tend to sometimes go down different avenues, but we are talking about relationships um, and, we, and we should stay on that. Um, and yeah, you know, I, my wife is Thai and um you know, I believe a lot of conflict comes out of this for sure. Now, I'm not going to say all of it does, because to be honest, like the like uh, the U.S. divorce rate is like 50 percent, you know, which is friggin gnarly if you think about it. I mean, that's an unhealthy society, dude. And that's my home. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, the, the language, right? The religion, like there's so many differences between cultures. And yeah, in your and my situation, we're in their culture. So what is, what do we do? Do we just take the back seat? Do we let them win every single, you know, argument uh, because it's their home country? I, I'm not really, I'm not really sure. But I think that this is, I think it does add to the conflict for sure. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, the movie Fiddler on the Roof. And the Fiddler on the Roof is a very classic tale of a, of a, um, of a family. It's a Jewish family. It's a beautiful musical. So you should watch it, uh, uh, actually, I recommend people watch it um, because it is the music's good. It's a fun tale. There's it's it's an emotional roller coaster. But 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 here's let me press. Let me just tell the plot. Okay, basically, is that um, it's this father. It's a, a husband and a wife, and they have daughters. Okay, uh, children. Uh, I think like three or four of them. And what's happening is society is drastically changing. And the daughters go out and like one daughter particularly goes out and there's, she finds a man that she falls in love with. And the, and the man is not Jewish. He's from a different type of religion or culture. I'm not sure exactly what it has been a while. Um, but the whole story is about this father grasping the changes of time because for him, that is just a recipe for disaster. No, 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 no. Don't marry outside of your faith. Don't marry. We have a matchmaker. And so there's this concept of the matchmaker. And the matchmaker's job was to make sure that you guys aligned in so many ways that the relationship would ultimately succeed. And um, I'm not sure if it did, but I can tell you one thing. 50% divorce rate did not exist in the past. And now it's all over England. Thailand, the United States, it's a whole, like a lot of the world, really, especially the Western countries. Um, and uh, that's kind of sad. But the whole story is about him struggling against this, right? And uh, 
we don't know how it ends, but he, his wife convinces him that to let the daughter find her own path. And he struggles and he struggles and he struggles. And then at the end, he just accepts that there's nothing he can do. And uh, it ends happy. Um, but great movie, Fiddler on the Roof. And so you see there's this father figure in this classic tale, um, not wanting his daughter to marry outside of their own culture because he warns it's so dangerous. And for me, a lot of my conflicts are based on those differences. You know, there's just so many differences and we just see the world, you know, here it's normal to bring a kid on a scooter without a helmet on them onto a big road. That to me is insanity because I can see the potential outcomes. I, I don't think they can see it. And it's a, it's a cultural thing. Maybe they're just too focused on the now or getting from A to B, but that's insanity. Um, also, you know, the U.S., we like Western cultures, we went through an industrialization fa phase. We tore up and polluted our countries. And then we got sick from eating unhealthy food. But now we're starting to figure out that all these like um, foods are unhealthy, right? Like these uh, processed foods, packaged foods are really, really unhealthy. Sugar. Uh, in the culture I'm in right now, they don't know that. So something we I've, I've known my whole life, my mother didn't let me have sugar. That's, that is not a concept here. And so I've had to struggle about my son's diet. Like you guys, this is not good. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So I do believe Stephen, I do believe that cultural differences will have a, a massive impact and it would take the only way to survive those is just to be extremely compassionate and loving and uh, to, yeah, be willing to lose at least as a man, at least half the time, at least. What about even when you're right, even when you're right. Right. So do you, I, I, you've told me before that you obviously you don't speak Thai, you know, you, you went born in Thailand, you went, you know, and so your wife is conversing with you in English. Do you think that your relationship would have been different if you could speak Thai? And do you feel like there's that language barrier that makes it really difficult for her? And sometimes she feels like that she's not heard because she can't speak to you in her native tongue and kind of unleash on you. Um, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. If I spoke Thai, I, I think that a large percentage of our, if we had a common language that we shared, whether I spoke Thai or she spoke English fluently, I think we could have decreased our conflict tremendously. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a lot of times I'll, you know, I just, yeah, I misunderstand her. Um, and, you know, Americans, we have like a, some of us and British too, I would say, and maybe Austra I think Australians too. I don't know. Western people, especially. I'll just speak for America. We have this uh, a different sense of humor, right? We 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 have we use irony. We use a lot of um, sarcasm and stuff like that. And that doesn't work well for me ever. I'm just trying to be playful, and it turns into a massive fight, and I don't understand why. And after two years, I understand that I just can't do that. I can't really be myself because we don't understand each other. And then oftentimes um, I'll say something and she'll say yes, but she didn't really hear me. She just kind of wanted to put that conversation to rest, um, you know, or or she'll say something and I won't pick up on it. And then I'm in trouble, you know, and and this causes all sorts of frustrations, you know, which takes your energy. And I think in many ways, the, the energy away from your family, right? It just becomes conflicts you have to sort out that really probably didn't have to exist, you know, if, if you had shared a similar language. 
Yeah, and then it gets yeah, to the yeah. point where you just think, well, it's easier just to avoid conversation because it's kind of you you have a feeling that it could end up in a conflict. So it's you might not even engage in the conversation because of where it may end up. Yeah, it's tough, man. Yeah, and I just want to say that's true. That's what it's come down to. Like I'm scared to speak, literally. But are you and your wife on speaking terms right now, or not really? No, I'm I'm here at the house. We don't we don't really speak. I'll say like like today, my mom's coming in tonight from Alaska all the way to Thailand, so I do have to go to the store with her. But this is how that will play out. I'll go down. I'll I'll go downstairs after this podcast, play with my son. He's going to take a nap. Then we'll get up and I'll say, okay, can we go to the store? And she'll say yes. We'll load the son into the car. We'll sit in silence, or we'll just talk to Elijah the whole time. I might ask a question very carefully. Um, do you want to do something after we get the food or, or blah, blah, blah. Um, but it is mostly silent, you know, I mean, it's never silent cause I'm always talking to my son. I'm always trying to talk to him. So it's not mm. silent, but the, there's no communication between the two of us really. Uh, it's gotten to the point where, you know, even just yesterday, just yesterday, my son didn't want to eat the food and it's this, this, it's called joke. And it's this, this rice soup uh, with pork, got pork balls and rice and that's it and he eats it a lot a lot you know it's regular and uh he didn't want to eat it and i was like oh you're bored because you eat this every day that's all i said and maybe i guess that could be insulting but i don't see how that was insulting um at all really because it's the truth and if i eat the same thing every day i get bored of it kind of um but that just changed the dynamic and Basically, she was upset with me and, you know, for the, the next hour, then we went to bed and I was trying to be nice. I offered to cook and bring this and that. And um, this morning she woke up and the first thing is she was still mad about yesterday when I said my son was bored with the food. And so we fought first thing this morning, my mom's going to arrive. And I was like, oh, my God, dude, I can't, there's there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. To, to to be a good dad, to support this family because of my mouth. You know, should I cut my tongue out? Because that might be the only thing I can do. Um, but it's really unfortunate, man. So our morning started that way. And I said, son, let's go for a walk. Let's get out of here. Because it was so negative, dude, in dark. And I was just like, oh, my God. And she told me that you said that. That's why I'm like, why are you angry? What What happened? And she's like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. You cook the breakfast. You don't like what I cook. Everything I cook is wrong. I was like, what? And then she re repeated what I said. And I was like, oh, Jesus. That was that, that one thing I said 12 hours ago is the cause to start a day in negativity and darkness on the day of my mother's arrival. And it broke my heart. So I just went for a walk. We went on a metropolitan fucking safari looking for snails and bugs. And it was awesome. And then the moment I got here, I just came upstairs. And I do, we do have to go shopping to prepare. My mom, she, you know, we got to get food. So, cause she comes in late at night. Then we both go to work tomorrow morning. My, my mom will be alone with my son and then my wife's mother too. So two grandmas, my son. So you got to set up my mom. So she has some food, right? She's not, a lot of people can't just eat Thai, Thai food. I mean, if it's Thai food in Australia, sure. But Thai food in Thailand's a lot different than Thai food around the world. It's way more spicy and fishy and my, and me personally i don't like a lot of it i like about half of it and my mom couldn't she doesn't do spicy so basically you have to set all that up and i'm scared dude 
Yeah, you're still so, calling her your wife. So are you, are you officially, you know, you still, it sounds like as well, like you're still with her. Like who who made the decision to end the relationship or are you taking a break because you feel like there's a lot of conflict in the in the household and there's the communication is not working. So it's yeah. um, this pressure on the relationship is not strong communication and it's kind of like this hostility and resentment. Yeah, so I still call her my wife because, well, we're still married and uh, she's the mother of my child. And I guess I could call her by her name. Plus, we're on a podcast. So I don't think it's good for me to use her name. I don't know. Like, I'm really conscious about using, like, I don't like, I wouldn't put a picture of you on my Facebook unless I actually don't have Facebook, but I wouldn't put a picture um, of you um, without asking you. Okay, so that's just my style. Um um, and why am I even saying that? What were you talking about? The, again? The, so the language about my wife, you know. Uh, oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So technically, so, you're pro probably still with her at the moment, but there's there's some real conflict in the sense that there that with communication and and hostility, um, that's that's causing a lot of trauma and, and, and causing a lot of pain yeah. and suffering. Obviously, like is the relationship officially over, or is there some room there to to communicate mm -hmm. and maybe sort some no. of this out? No, and I should probably start stop using the 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 the, the title of my wife because you're right. Like no, so you're, back to your question, I kind of initiated this. I, I we can't get into full details because it would be a whole confessional three hour podcast or longer about the experiences leading up to this. But um, yeah, it was my decision to leave. But I'm sure, you know, like I, I it was my decision but it was because it's way too toxic. Like this situation this morning is the norm. It's the norm. Uh, we'll have sometimes like two or three weeks where we get along great. We're even laughing and having a good time. But then like the help, right? Uh, Grandma Ty will leave to Sisaket for a week. And that morning she's gone. My wife's a whole different person. My wife needs an assistant. She needs a, a nanny. She needs that because she works so much. She doesn't have time for herself, you know? And uh, it's just, yeah, I, I don't think it's ever possible that we, we're trying to stay together just for my son. Um, I don't sleep in the same room as them. Um, I sleep in a different room um, and I have my own apartment. <laughs> I'm only here right now to be with my son and then I will be here for two more days, but I'm already scared after this moment morning, but I need to be here. So I'll just try to be, I try to not say anything until my mom, my mom arrives. And then I'll just talk to my mom. Like I would talk to my mom and try to allow my mom to get comfortable here for a minute. But yeah, um, I don't see it being possible. It's been about two years uh, that it is just walking on a tightrope and not being good at doing that every day for two years. You know, it's, it's, I'd say 80% struggle, conflict, anger, um, and 20% okay. Yeah, that's tough. And that's, and I don't yeah. want my son to grow up around that because, you know, this is, a, this is, a, I've been trying to, I want to try because I have this like, you know, I, I take like marital vows pretty seriously, but it's not working, Steve. And there's no way like, it's just toxic. It's toxic. Absolutely outright toxic. And my son uh, will be negatively affected by that more than me staying around. But 
we have negotiated to, to share um, custody and I have my own apartment and we're trying to make it work that way. Okay. Yeah. It's, it sounds like a tough situation. I think it's, it's so easy for relationships to become toxic you know, when, when there's the grind where there's kids and responsibility and then there's um, work and the stresses of money and keeping that relationship alive and, and those things that we thought that we had in common that maybe we don't as much as we thought we did. Um, so many things happening, you know, I guess, is there anything that you could have done? Like I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of a man that's married a woman they're with them and, and things are starting to get hard, right? And um, there are lots of authors that talk about this. David Dater is a great one. He talks about women being like the ocean. You know, so things are starting to get hard. What can you do at that point to kind of deal with um, the, the conflicts that arise, like the waves starting to beat down on you? Um, you know, the, the conflicts coming and, and do 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 we need to adjust be more considerate, be more loving and caring. Um, is there anything that you could have done differently that would have stopped it from spiraling into toxicity? Because I'm sure that it wasn't, as you said, it wasn't always bad from the beginning, right? You know, what what kept you together and then why did it kind of deteriorate? And then how would you deal with that in hindsight? Well, the misunderstanding has always been present, right? And in the beginning, we didn't live together. Um, one thing about, um, yeah, in the beginning, we didn't live together. Uh, there was a lot of misunderstandings, and I think it was just fun. And like you said earlier, it was the honeymoon state. Um, and I had a lot of respect for her, and I still do have a lot of respect for my wife. I do. I just don't think that I, uh, that we were meant to be together. And one of the things about me is I, you know, I am a, I'm a passionate person, and I really wanted to have a family. Um and this woman made my that possible. But, uh, you know, in traditional Thai culture, like they want to get married really fast, really fast. So I moved here with the with the, the idea that I would we'd just date and be together for a couple years and then make things happen. But for her, there was no like we couldn't like we didn't kiss until I met her mom and got her mom's blessing. And then like from that day we were pretty much married within five months and that was all her plan and i wouldn't have ever rushed into anything like that like i don't I, first of all i've never liked the concept of having the law get involved with anything um especially a relationship but it was the course of action it was the only way to make this dream of mine to be a, a father and a family man um possible and she was willing to do it and she is I mean, she, I, I guess she doesn't like me at all, but, but she is good. She is a good family member. Uh, she takes care of her family, right? She really does. She tries and she, she overwhelms herself. She's, she's stubborn. She takes on too much, but she's really, really hard headed. So she plans on getting the job done and she does. Um, but we always had conflict. Everything just happened too fast, just too fast for me. But like I said, I was already 40 years old or almost 40. I think I was 39 when we married and I was already ready to have a kid. And, and, and you know, in conversation on paper, on paper, our goals are the same. 
But that doesn't mean that our personalities are the same. It doesn't mean that our culture, our, our internal beliefs are the same. It's just our goals for having a family, um, staying together for the child. Um, that was the same. And so I just went along with it, maybe out of desperation, man. You know what I mean? Like I'm old, getting older. I'm not old. Not, sorry for anybody in, near my age. I don't mean I'm old, but I'm not 20 anymore. And so I can't wait to have kids till I'm 55. So I thought it was the right time, you know, like, let's do this so I can hang out with my son and have energy and chase him around and go to sports and play sports with him. Um, you know, uh, so I was just, you know, I convinced myself to just go along with it. And always in the beginning, it is a honeymoon state. People don't show their true colors, right? Um, I to, I'm going to say this and you don't have to believe me, but I believe I always did show my true colors. I've always been me and I've never felt like I needed to hide anything. I felt like my wife just played along with it. Oh, so, sorry, my ex-wife who I'm still legally bound to. <laughs> <laughs> For the Anyways, you know, and and she was sweet and she put up with my shit. She never complained about anything. So I had no idea that I was doing anything wrong and then the moment the kid came, boom. Now it's different. Her mom's in our household and um she, like I said, she supports her family. She's really good at supporting her family. So now her energy wasn't split between working 50 or more hours a week, having a newborn child, having a new husband and taking care of her mom all at the same time. I don't think any human being can do that. But uh, let me just attack what you said really quickly, because I think it's important. I don't want to forget my, lose my train of thought. Um, what comes to mind is the word trust, you know, like you, you, you get to know somebody, you develop a relationship and then you, you figure out who they are. And it's like, okay, do I trust that person? And then next level trust is, do I trust that person with my kid? And that's not an easy question. And that's, and you know, we don't always trust our partners with our children. And that's, that is a scary thought, right? It's like, um, do I trust my daughter or my son with my wife that she's not going to do anything stupid or she's not going to hurt them, or she's not going to put them in a dangerous situation. But I don't know. I feel like women can do this where they seem to be able to be more tolerant or maybe not show their true colors or just pretend to be more subservient because that's what they think that we want. Uh, and then when a child comes or when they know that they've got you, then they can kind of really flex their, their, their power in ways that are not always positive um that happens in colombia a lot in the sense of you know you hear foreigners say oh you know i'm going out with this girl and she's offering to pay and she's doing this and she's you know she's she you know she's like uh she's independent she's got a she's got this bar job or whatever and then when they get into a relationship then it's it's kind of then they start exploiting those things because oh you know with a foreigner so maybe there's an element of the foreigner um, risks that we run as a foreigner, we trusting people and loving people that, you know, how selfish are they being? You know, is it, is it more about what they want instead of what we want? Or is it, it's, and it shouldn't even be about what you want or what, what she wants. It should be about what the collective, what we want as a, as a family. Right. So I think that's, that's, that's difficult. Um, but the trust thing and, and, 
the other thing that you mentioned too, which is so important is that, yeah, we have things in common with women, there's sexual attraction and there's, you know, there's, maybe it's humor or maybe it's, but there are so many other things that are so important. Like it could be as banal as nutrition, but okay. Do, do if you're not aligned in some of your key values, you know, just to what religion you are. And, you know, this is why matchmaking and, and people stick to the same religion to prevent, prevent some of these conflicts, you know, what, what education looks like, how a child should be raised rules. Like then, like one of the last fights that I had with, with my wife was, I was saying to, to her, I think um, your son is using technology, like technology is taking over. We need to control it. And then, you know, I'm trying to discipline him one way. She's disciplining him the other way. And then there's a conflict and I'm like, this doesn't work. Okay. This doesn't work. Okay. From now, from now on, I'm not going to get involved. You do it. All right. You do it. And there's less concurrency and I'll respect what you do. So even something as stupid as how much technology are they allowed to have? Right. And it seems pretty banal, but you fight about that stuff. So, man, there's so, there is so much there and, you know, do you think that she had good intentions? Would you think that she was selfish? Is there, do you think that she was just thinking about herself and, you know, what can I get from a foreigner and, and, and starting a family? Was it, was there an element of her being a little bit selfish or was it maybe she was a bit um, short-sighted in what it meant to actually date a foreigner to someone with another culture and a, a different personality, different sense of humor, a different language, a different set of expectations. What do you think? Um, what what do you think was happening in her mind when she made that decision? Well, I think oftentimes we're not really thinking about it, right? But and, and let me like let me start by or preface by saying that I'm selfish too. I think all people are selfish to an extent. So I don't want to talk about her selfishness without addressing mine as well. I don't think that's fair. She's not here to back herself up. Um, but you know, I don't know, you know, from what in that short period of time where we did not communicate well because of our language barriers and she worked even more at the beginning, I fought, like I changed, like, see, I'm like, here's my selfishness. I was like, no, I don't want you working 60 hours a week. You have a child now, like he's number one. He should, our children should be number one. And if we have to cut back on money a little bit, that's fine. But I want us both to be there every night, having dinner together with the family, having our weekends. Okay, you want to work one Saturday or twice a month? Okay, that's fine. That's okay. I, we can do that. But that's not how it was, right? Um, and of course, she was like, yes, she agreed. And I feel like this was a kind of a, like, I don't want to say a manipulation, because again, I don't want to judge her in the wrong ways and make myself out to be this fucking great thing, because I'm not. Um, but I don't think she ever really thought it through. And obviously I didn't either. I didn't know. Um, but I believe her intention was always good. But this is very important that I state. She has never been with a Thai person. I met her when she was 34 years old and she'd been single her whole life. My wife is very hard-headed. She's very independent, as am I. As am I, both of those. I have both those qualities. Um, very independent and hard-headed. You get two independent, hard-headed people together, and it's just probably not going to work, dude. <laughs> like it's just not. Um, but yeah, you know. So, so her intention was to let me shut the door real quick. 
her intention was to marry a foreigner for sure, a foreigner that spoke English for the sake of her child. And this didn't really come to light right away with me um, because I just assumed uh, that, well, there's a lot of qualities about many Thai men uh, that Thai women say they don't like. There's actually a pretty large percentage of Thai women that only uh, pursue foreigners. Uh, and it's because they say that Thai men are lack fidelity, that they spend their money on alcohol and women, and they leave the family, and they expect the wife or the mother to do all the work. Now, I, I, you know, I've learned over time that maybe part of the reason why men are leaving is because they just can't win. <laughs> this is a matriarchal society in a patriarchal governance, right? It's It's a it's it's um what is it i'm sorry i have my thoughts are thinking down the road but it's a kingship what is that called the monarchy oh yeah sorry see dude my brain's i'm, I'm i think i'm a little emotional so i can't think correctly but yeah it's a monarchy and in many ways the culture puts men before women but it's the women that do the child rearing a, a lot like colombia and they know that if they're you know, endowed that responsibility, it comes with a sense of power, right? And so in their mind, they feel that they maybe are, I don't want to say oppressed because Thai people are pretty passive, but they there's just this system in place where the women take care of the family and the man just kind of does his thing. And so a lot of the women don't want to be with those men, but, but honestly, man, I've seen wonderful Thai fathers, my neighbor, right here in fact all my neighbors around me all seem to be really good fathers dude like yeah like i don't see what they're talking about so but i do see it in like other areas you know i do see it in other areas um and i think colombia has those same problems where men the women you know it just takes a couple of us to ruin it for everyone and i think that uh, uh there are men in colombia and thailand that work hard they give the family resources but then they go out with their friends and it always leads to debauchery and, uh, you know, sexual escapades with prostitutes, you know? And I don't think that's a huge, huge percentage, but it doesn't matter. It takes one or two people to ruin it for everybody. And that becomes the main story, right? We always talk about the one airplane that crashed, not the thousand that landed and everybody went away about their way happily. We just focus on the one, the crash. Uh, and that's, you know, and it, so I feel that's what it is, man, is that that she she didn't plan it out. I didn't plan it out. We rushed into this. And her intention, I believe for sure, was to open up opportunities for her son by having access to a different passport for him and language. And I believe that to be absolutely true. In fact, she's told me. And even recently, when we were talking after after our separation about uh I said, I want to be a part of my son's life. He, he needs me. He needs a man in his life. It, it, he, he can't go down the same road I went down. I don't want that. And she said, yes, I agree. I want him to speak English. <laughs> That's what she said, bro. That was her, you know, I'm here and I said, I'll support you. I'll do everything I can. I'll send you guys money. I'll pay child support. I don't care. Um, but I want him to be happy and know that his parents can work this out. And she's like, yeah, I want him to learn English. Okay.
<laughs> so I don't know, man. I don't know all things, but that's just pretty funny. But I, I want to go back before we switch pace to say that I am also responsible for a lot of this. You know, I'm hardheaded, I'm stubborn, and I I get really frustrated and then I can't really think logically and I can't be submissive, which I think is a requirement of this particular two people working is for me to be submissive 100%, whether it be diet, safety for my child, uh, communication. You know what? I shouldn't even talk. Her father does not talk he's not a talker he works and that's it he comes home from the farm we're all there we just got there and he just he doesn't say hi he doesn't give people hugs he just goes about his business and then he sits down and he eats and then it's just like he talks with his wife for about 15 minutes and then they watch tv that's that's their life and so i think my wife expected me to be more like her father to just keep my mouth shut and to do my work and to support the family and just be there but don't try to change things don't try to talk things up Dude, you know me. I talk too much. So that's, you know, I talk too much. I wear my shit on my sleeve, bro. It's like, and it's hard for me. And uh, <laughs> I don't accept that. And it, and my wife shouldn't either. If she wants my son to speak English, well, then I need to be running my mouth all the time. I mean, that's the bottom line. There's, there's two Thai women and then me, and I'm at work. So he's not exposed to English as much as he should be. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, man, I'm, uh, you know, I have a lot of flaws in myself, but I also believe that I I really tried and I don't know what my wife's true intentions were. She's very secretive. She's a Scorpio, um, which is, if you just know anything about the sign, they're very secretive. They're great companions. Like I said, my wife is a wonderful family member, like family member. She takes care. Even when my mom's here, she takes care of my mom. She'll bring home food for my mom. She's always thinking about my mom, but I'm just... I feel like, and maybe this hurt my heart a little bit, but I'm not important. It's never been about me. There's no thinking about me. It's like always foods being brought for the other women and sometimes, and my son, and I'm just there, you know, and, um, and that's okay. I accept that now, but yeah, man. So I think it's complicated, man. Like you said, um, the honeymoon stage is far beyond gone and, uh, I think I've fulfilled my role and that all that is really left or desired is a continuation of me giving my resources. And I think, honestly, this is how I feel. Um, but that's all my value is to her. Yeah. I, maybe look, I'm not a psychologist, but uh, we all have different communication styles and maybe that, you know, your personality and her personality and the culture and the language it's, you know, it just wasn't, was it conducive to to working towards strengthening the the relationship right so you're communicating hoping to strengthen it and you're and at the same time you're you might be damaging the relationship that's happened to me before you know so i think that's happened to every man you try to communicate and talk things out or express things and it's it's not what they want so i think that's you know we all have different love styles you know and it's it definitely sucks to feel neglected in your own home um, you know, because of whatever reason, it might be the the stereo the, the typical expectations that she has of how the men are in the in the family. The men are distant. The men are stoic. The men are you know pre producers. Uh, they're not they're not meant to be emotional. Not to be to be 
um, they're not meant to express too many emotions and too passionate, right? Because that might be seen as weakness or seen as feminine traits or whatever. So there's that. Um, but yeah, it just, the bit that kind of makes me angry or a bit sad is that I just, when men are, when men are seen to be just, um, as a, they're just a resource, right? Oh, I want to marry this guy and he's a great provider and he's, you know, and there's no nurturing of his heart, his soul, his needs. And mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, it's, that's not what a, a loving relationship should be. It should be. Sharing. And I don't think that's the way, I don't think that's the way it used to be, man. I really don't. I think it was, I think this is a modern phenomenon. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Cause those ideas are probably um, relatively new, but I've, for me, what I feel like works is when you have honesty and connection and heart-to-heart -heart connection, right? That seems to be what really nourishes our souls, right? If I'm distant and I'm providing and I'm just working and giving my wife the space and paying the 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 hypotheca, the the mortgage, then um, you know, what am I? What am I reduced to? What am I diminished to being just a just a worker, right? So, and then I'm gonna feel like. Yeah, you know, I'm just going to feel, especially as an outsider, you know, especially as a foreigner in another culture, I'm going to feel really excluded. And I, she's got her family there. My wife's got her family and I've got nobody. So if I can't love her and connect with her, who have I got? Right. You know, and then it's, and then I guess the, the next question is like, so the, the delicate situation is how do you deal with um, your son? in a way that you make sure that he's loved and protected from as much of that toxicity as possible um, and still being, you know, an influence, a positive influence in his life. So you share custody is the way to go and, and kind of just manage that. Have you, have you, have you, you know, you have the capacity to, to leave the country and work in any other, pretty much any other country in the world as an English teacher, right? You're, you have one of those jobs that you, you can go to the Middle East and teach in Saudi Arabia or, um, you can go to China, you can go to, you can go anywhere. Um, so are you thinking that the best thing to do would be to, to stick around for your son and try to, to mitigate that, um, that relationship? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really want to be available for my son for sure. Yeah. Um, I do. Um, and I think that that's the one thing keeping me here because I don't need to be here. Um, I don't need to be here at all, you know, except for him. Um, I have come to terms with the, the, the reality that from what I can see now, from what I've gathered over the last two years, there's no way that this relationship will work. There's just no way. And the only way to avoid toxicity is for us to live separately and when he's with his mother and we're in that transition, right? Like it's, it's already happening, but I've been in a small dingy hotel for like almost two months now. And I get my nice, small, but very new um, one bedroom apartment on the 1st of December, which is just a few days away, several days away. Um, and that's the beginning. Um, and then I can provide a, a, a safe place for him. Uh, and we've discussed, you know, sharing three, custody sharing custody and hopefully as equal as possible um <clears throat> uh, sometimes you know i don't know i i wouldn't want to take my son away from his mother i just 
you know, like, so like, you know, maybe me going and traveling, I can teach all over the world and I could bring my son, but I don't know. Like I just, there's part of my soul that doesn't agree with taking someone away from any parent. And so that's kind of out of the question, right? Unless for some reason, my wife is like, take him, get him out of here. And then I'd say, all right, great, perfect. But if we didn't have our son, dude, I'd probably already be gone from Thailand. I wouldn't be here now. I'd go be, I'd be teaching somewhere else. I'd be living that dream of teaching abroad. Um, but I've gotten myself in this predicament and it's my responsibility um, to my creator to, uh, to make sure I do everything in my power to make sure that this one soul is as nourished and as capable and as, as uh, um, balanced and strong as possible. And by uprooting myself, you know, which is so tempting, man, let me tell you, so tempting. Uh, it's just, it's, it's really not an option, man. So I'm kind of like in a, in a very lovely prison. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't escape right now. Um, but yeah, man, you know, that's, that's just the way it is, you know, and, um, you know, if she ever allows me to, yeah, I'll go teach somewhere else for sure. If, if I can bring him with me, but for me to go to only see him like twice a year, like say I go teach overseas and then I come over on holidays, dude, that's not cool, bro. He won't, he won't have ex exposure to his father and to a different culture besides Thai culture. And, you know, it's funny my wife and many other ties marry foreigners because they have some kind of discontent for their own culture, but then they want to raise their kids exactly the way they've been raised. So if mothers are responsible for the culture, um, they're still unwilling to change that, you know, to negotiate um, in any way, um, which brings me back to this negotiation um, and, and talking about family and stuff. So when you said, okay, to, to, to your, your wife, um, if her son, okay, you control the technology. Um, are you still okay with that? It, it, if, if, if it's not with what you agree with, is it still okay? And would it be okay if it was your other child, your youngest, would you feel comfortable letting, uh, your wife take the reins completely on that? Because that is your biology right there. That is your descendant, truly. And that's where I'm at, is my son is truly my descendant. He looks like me. He acts like me. He's, it's so weird, dude. He comes from this same tree, buddy. And there's no mistaking that. But if I go and live abroad, I don't know what's going to happen to him. Yeah. I, I, How would I, you feel? How would you feel? Like, would you feel the same about your daughter as you do about your son-in-law? Or? Yeah, I think... I think in lots of ways that we're in a similar kind of situation where when you have a kid with someone in, in another country and they're a foreigner and you're, you, you know, well, you're a foreigner in another country, there's a, an, a really strong element of vulnerability there because um, if something happens, you feel a little bit um, in, disempowered in your options. So, but to answer your question directly, I treat my stepson with the kind of respect that, I'm a guide, but I'm not his ultimate like ruler and, and authoritarian, um, you know, parent. So there, there's, there's a line there that I won't cross. So I always kind of use my wife as mitigation. So I say, you know, Angel, 
what did your mum say about this? And I'll try to value her first. And then, and then that way I'm not, I'm not overriding her authority and kind of undermining her. Um, but I think I'm definitely more lenient with him. I'm, I'm definitely more lenient with him because he's not my biological son. I'd probably whack the, sh I wouldn't beat him, but I'd, I'd be a lot stricter with him. Um, if it was my son, my biological son, for sure, because I can see that there's some things that he's happening that um, would be hurting him. But, you know, it's not Killary's fault either. It's, it's kind of, uh, or my wife's fault either is because it's 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 a kind of a, a difficult the the stepson thing is a difficult line to to manage because you you have a certain amount of power but you you got to make sure that you're using that in a, a way that's more positive than negative, otherwise you can really um, damage them. Um, but with my daughter, I think I generally have more a bit more leverage uh, in in some things, and but I feel very privileged in the sense that I'm I feel lucky that. Usually with most things, you know, there is always compromise, but a lot of the things that we kind of argue about, they're kind of details on the on the topic, but usually we're relatively aligned on that topic, right? It's not like Killary saying eight hours of video games and I'm saying two hours. She's saying two hours and I'm saying, well, should it be two hours every day or should it be three hours every day, right? So, but then... So yeah, the answer to your question is definitely there is, I think you have less power if it's your stepson or stepdaughter and you've got to be really careful how you manage that and mitigate that because they can get into a situation where they can resent you naturally because you're not their biological parent and they they have their biological parent and they, they know the difference, um, especially being a foreigner, you know. But, you know, if my if I split up with my wife and I've got my daughter here, you know, it's it would I would be in the same situation where it's just like, well, what do I do? And, and I said to my wife as well that the, really the only reason why I'm here in Colombia right now is because because of this family that we have. Because culturally, I've loved being in Colombia. I've enjoyed the culture and the language, but I've I've absorbed everything that I need to absorb here, and I'm ready to go to the next country. So really, the the main thing that keeps me there is is um, is my family, is is my wife and my stepson and my daughter. Um, but you know, I think there is, there is a level of responsibility that you have, you know, your, your son was born in Thailand, you created him in Thailand, his mom's there, it would definitely be very um, selfish and, and to, to take him out, uh, separate him from his mom. And it would be harsh to leave him there and not have he, you know, you support him because he's going to need you um, to, for, especially in those formative years. And I guess he can work on how to, to mitigate that um, because if you don't, it's, it's very common that kids develop lots of resentment and then lots of trauma because they just feel abandoned. So it's a really difficult situation and it might mean that you have to make some big sacrifices and, um, you know, it, it sounds like you're at peace with that. And I think that's the, the honorable thing to do. Uh, you know, while there's that communication and respect from the you know, communication at least, and maybe not as there's less respect, but there's communication and you can agree on how to deal with that situation with your wife and what's best for him. And maybe there will be some years you can take him, take him for a year and then, you know, you take him back, you know, maybe that, maybe that might be an option later. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, he's emotional. It's like no one asked to be bringing the brought into the world. You know, when you have a kid, it's kind of your responsibility to, to take care of their emotional, psychological state. Um, and then after that, we we try to make the best decisions we can to, to 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 look after that, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
And uh, you were, uh, so obviously I've separated because of these, like the smallest of things turn into these way, like overblown conflicts. And do you experience that? Because we have very similar situations. We're both living in a foreign country, which is not our own. And like you said, we don't have family. Sure, my mom's coming in tonight and she's been here before, but not long, right? Of, Of the time, maybe 1% that I've been here. So I'm always alone. Uh, it's just me and my son and um, my ex-wife and her family. And then my coworkers, that's it. You know, I don't have that family familial support and you don't either. And uh, you know, we're both in this situation. So do you experience that? Do you feel like the smallest of things can be blown out into the, the these great catastrophic <laughs> conflicts? And yeah. uh, how do you deal with that? Man? I don't know how, how to answer with... this question without like, without seeming to be sexist, but you know, I think that any man that's lived with a woman for a long period of time experiences the, a woman's femininity, like a, a an ocean, this depth and, and power and, and beautiful thing that's very absorbing. And with comes with that is a lot of chaos. And, um, you know, I've definitely experienced lots of, you know, lots of conflict and and pain and, and, you know, even resentment in my relationship. But my general rule was, is that if it's 80% good, and we can communicate and figure out the, you know, we figure out the issues and, and work out what's fair and, and kind of, you know, compromise a little bit and reflect and then, then it, it, it should be worth sticking out, right? And I think if you're with a woman and she supports you and she loves you, and she tells you she loves you and she makes you better as a man, she holds you accountable, she puts up a mirror, uh, she encourages you to achieve your dreams and, and your goals, then you're, you should be very grateful for that. And, um, and I think as well as like some of the things that you said too is very true is that if you're with somebody and you, you have similar, a similar ideology and you can kind of get along, so I've definitely had lots of conflict with my wife, um, but I feel like I've been lucky that the communication part is still there. Uh, so I can usually, we can usually navigate that and and get back to a place of respect. But I've very, you know, since having a child, I've felt that sometimes that respect, dete- the respect deteriorates. And I've seen behaviors from my wife that I never thought was possible, like just her smirking or kind of her, looking at me with uh, resentment or disdain um, and that's horrible. Right. And, but I think that if you, if you don't, you know, you got to kind of stamp that out you got to kind of, you know, have um, again, communication and, and limits and, and boundaries in the sense of saying, you know, this behavior is unacceptable because of this, this and that. So, yeah, I think I feel that vulnerability because I've got my daughter there and I think about what would I lose if I lost my wife and I would lose a lot. I've got a, a mortgage here in Colombia that, you know, I poured all of my life savings into that mortgage. Uh, so I don't have pretty much any savings anymore. Um, you know, and I've, I've got my daughter here, my wife and my, my, my stepson. So I definitely feel a sense of vulnerability. Um, but I can, I can honestly say that for the most part, and it's taken a lot of work as well, like with her, with myself and her, is that I generally feel like secure that, okay, I can trust in her. Um, otherwise, 
otherwise I wouldn't feel very good to be in this situation because as if, if she puts on a crazy hat or, you know, she does things that I, I, I don't believe in or don't trust, I'm screwed completely, right? She's just going to rip my life into two very quickly. And, um, and then, okay, I'm going to pick my life up again and, and start again in lots of ways. And she's going to really benefit. And my life is going to, my life is, I've, I've invested so much at this point and my life is really going to um, take a, a, a huge financial hit and also um, uh, dealing with my daughter and, and, and that situation too. So, man, I'm feeling, feeling you. I haven't experienced what you've experienced at this point, but I know what it's like to be vulnerable. Uh, and I know what it's like to be all in. But I feel like as well, it can't be any other way. If you if you love someone and you you you're brave enough, what you've done and I think what I've done is something very courageous. You know, to to love someone from a different culture, a different community, a different language, to trust them with your child, um, to trust them with your heart. You know, to to have a family with them and and to build and to to give them everything. Like when I talk to Killer about you, she's just like, John is such a great guy you know, just a great man wants to be a great father. And it's kind of like what you've done is really, really courageous. A lot of people don't leave their own, you know, country, right. And you've, you started a family in another country, um, became an English teacher in another country. That's a huge deal. So, you know, is it ever going to be perfect? No. Is there going to be conflict and things that don't work out the way you want? Yes. But uh, I think through some of these hardships is that some growth that you'll have and, and, things to develop, uh, you know, I hope there'll be gems as far as realizations and character developments and, uh, you know, dealing with this adversity and, and, and hopefully you'll be able to come out with um, your integrity, you know, your own place, your own space, your own integrity, dealing with your son, you know, dealing with your wife with that integrity and, and knowing that whatever happens is that you, you did the right thing, right? And you, you gave it as best as you could. And it, and it wasn't meant to be, but you can go to sleep every night and say, you know what? I did the best that I could and no one can take that away from you. Yeah, man. Well, thank you. It's, it's nice to hear. Don't get that very often. Um, if ever, uh, but yeah, you know, um, that's what you got to do, I guess, you know, and I just, <clears throat> it brings me back to, to what we originally started talking about. And that's like, has like the value of men become obsolete in today's world? Like, are, are, I mean, are we no longer as important as we used to be? Are we more replaceable as we used to be? Cause it sure feels like that, you know, um, it sure feels like that. Um, yeah, right now I, I stay in an apartment. So, and I got, and I have to pay like my deposit. And all, so I'm financial, I'm in financial ruin because of this house. And, you know, and now I have to get my apartment and that's expensive to move in. You know, you got, you need your three months. Um, of course, I've put so much investment into this house and, um, and I can't stop helping. I want to, sometimes I want to run away and say, my money's mine. <laughs> but then I think, well, what does that do to my son? So now I'm still paying on this mortgage and I haven't lived here for two months and I don't know how long I'm going to have to. Here's another thing. I was like, just let the bank have it, you know, cause in the, and where I come from, this is this cross-cultural, you know, 
this this conflict, this misunderstanding that we all have is that in the US, if you fuck up bad enough, you can just walk away. You can just walk away. You just lose what you put in. I never knew this until about six weeks ago. I said, Paniput, just give the house to the bank and let's move on. We got to stop putting money into this thing because I already told her at the beginning, when we sell this place, you just pay back all the, any debt you need to and you keep the money. I don't want any of it. So, you know, all this stuff, like even my office here, I can't take this with me. Can't take any of this with me. Nothing. Our beautiful furniture, I can't take any of that with me. It's all gone. So I've lost hundreds and hundreds of thousands of baht. Hundreds, maybe like not a million. No, definitely not a million, but it feels like it's closing in on it. Um, but I can't stop helping. Oh, but so I told my my wife to walk away. And she said, for the first time, I never knew this, Stephen. I never knew this because she doesn't tell me anything. She's so secretive. She's like, oh, I can't do that. Or they'll take money out of my paycheck every month. And I'm like, what? What, what do you mean? She's like, because we got the loan through the government, through her employer, and she gets a kickback. Like, you know, I pay the majority of all the everything here. All like for four years, I've paid all the electric. I've paid all the mortgage until we got into this house or sorry, all the rent until we got in this house. And now I pay about 70%, right? I'm not getting, I don't even want any of it back. I want us to move on from this. And she told me we can't do that. They'll subsidize her thing, uh, her 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 uh, her wages, and she gets a kickback every year of about two percent from the government. So she's already got like a hundred, two hundred thousand baht given to her from the government. Do I see any of that? Even though I paid seventy percent of it, no fucking way, no fucking way. That's her money, bro. That's hers. She's the tie, right? And I already, you know, like I don't get any of it back, and she benefits in major ways. But let me get away from that and say. Does that make me want to stop helping and just focus on building my little little corner of my little niche here so that when my son comes around, he can benefit? Yes, I definitely want to get away from this and let them deal with it in their own way. Nobody told me that, Stephen. Nobody told me that. Of course, they told me about the, the kickback that we would get that we would be able to use to fix up the house or, or pay for my son's education. But no one told me that there was no getting out of it. The job market sucks post-COVID. Sorry, not job market. The housing market sucks post-COVID. We're not even in Bangkok, so it's even harder to sell a house. Dude, I don't know if we're going to sell it for a year or two. So do I want to run away? Do I feel like I should because of the way I've been treated? Absolutely. 500%. I'd love to just walk away from this. I feel like I've been set up in some ways. Now, this is emotions. These aren't facts. But I feel like I've been set up and entrapped uh, big time. So can I just walk away? I want to, yes. But what does that do? Puts my son in a vicarious situation. Um, and I'm not willing to do that. Yeah, I can imagine when you when you get married, and you're the, let's say, the main breadwinner, you know, you, you are definitely more emotionally, um, economically vulnerable. And then I am very emotional right now talking about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good that you can kind of laugh a bit too, because you know, it's a, it is a serious situation, but if you haven't got a bit of humor to kind of digest it, then it will just be, you know, doom and gloom. And, and it's great that you can kind of process some of it through 
through um, through laughing, through humor, because that will help definitely, I think, process those emotions. Uh, because, you know, the, the, you can look at life as a, a great, like Shakespeare, right? Everything's a tragedy or, you know, and Shakespeare also wrote comedies and histories. So, you know, it's great that you can kind of laugh about it. But, you know, it's, it is tough. I think, you, you know, there's more conversations to be had with your wife, right, about the future. And, you know, you, I think with a bit more, a, a bit of investigation and, you know, if you've paid off a certain amount of your, your house and the market and what's best for the, your future and for the future of your son, you know, I think you could you could sit down and think of a plan that's going to benefit you all in a way that's that's reasonable. So you're not trapped. Right. So that later on, you can you can have as much freedom as you want to have and as much responsibility as you have, because, you know, if you're paying the mortgage. Maybe it's the, the right idea is not to walk away, but the right idea is to sell in a year's time and she buys a little apartment somewhere else and she's there with your son and someone that's accessible. She doesn't have all these nice things, but that's the way it goes, right? But um, and then she's she you're paying a certain amount and she's um and she's paying her fair share, right? So there's probably more conversations to be had. There's probably lots of, you know, research. Maybe get yourself a good lawyer in Thailand that looks after foreigners. You can find them on Facebook pages, um, you know, Facebook foreigner pages and, you know, uh, you know, foreigners that live in Thailand pages. Um, and then, you know, do your research before you make make decisions so that way you can kind of protect yourself and and uh, you can, but also think about what the best thing is for your son. Because at this point, like he's the most important person in your world. It's him. It's not, it's not even, it's not you. It's not your wife. It's like, what's best for him so that he's going to be, and, and, you know, and it might be, um, there might be some leverage there in the sense of what school he goes to, you know, maybe it's better that he goes to your school, you know, than, than the one that she can take him to and those things and how, how many days he stays with you. And, you know, you've got a lot of, even though you're a foreigner, you still have a lot of rights, you know, that that the law is is got to that the law protects you as the as the as the father you've done the right thing at this point so you're protected too to a degree um so yeah. that might help in the sense of going okay because you can feel quite helpless and you can feel quite um resentful and angry um but hopefully that the more information that you get the the you can sort of take control of as of the situation as much as you can and and uh, make decisions coming from a place of logic and reason um and yeah and, and from evidence yeah yeah man um yeah it's all gonna work out it's all gonna work out it just requires a lot of patience obviously i can't invest in my retirement uh anymore or really you know because of the things and I'm only getting older. Um, and by no means is the actual mortgage tied. Well, maybe it is. I don't even know. Like, like I say, there's no communication. There's no direct honesty between um, my ex-wife and myself. So I don't know. She said that the that the government could garnish her wages, but of course I co-signed. <laughs> I co-signed for that, but she never told me. Oh, be careful your wages are at risk too. She, she hasn't told me that. So I don't know, maybe that is a possibility, but I don't plan on like, you know, if anything, we just take a big loss. We just sell it for the dirt cheap. We just, as long as we can pay the bank back, everybody, we just lose all that. That's fine with me, man. Um, 
and I would never want to get lawyers involved, you know. And I think that despite the the animosity towards me and the dislike for me um, that she has, um, she does believe in good education. So there's no doubt that she would prefer him going to my school than any other school that she could put him in. So that's a that's a plus, right? So I do have things going for me for sure. Um, but man, do you think that, uh, do you think that women, like, let's just pretend hypothetically that we were living a hundred years ago and things are okay. Do you think that the animosity towards us would exist so much, that resentment, that look in their eye, if we were going to work 10 hours a day, coming home, bringing home the bacon, the bread, and then while we're at home playing with our kids and trying to patch up the hole in the roof and uh, that they were at home, but they had all they needed. Do you think that all that, like, cause we, we've been talking about like women being emotional creatures and sometimes they can, um, I shouldn't use the word creature. I call me a creature. I'm talking about humans. Jesus. I always feel like I'm on like, like there's like a woke mob standing behind me, you know, and I'm like scared, just pointing fingers. Pointing fingers. <laughs> but do and... you think? Do you think? Do you think that it would be the same? Because I, part of me says no. I feel like when we had these roles, now we're just struggling to like all do exactly the same thing. There's no teamwork anymore. It's like everybody's trying to do their thing, um, and I feel like there was a little bit more compassion from women a hundred years ago towards their husbands, as long as their husbands weren't bad. And like I say, we always focus on the one, not on the hundred good. They always talk about how bad and oppressive men were in the past. I don't buy it. I don't buy, buy any of those fucking lies. To me, they are lies created to create this division between the family. I, I will, it would take a profit to convince me otherwise. I don't trust humans in that sense. Like, you know, um, but I like I feel like they would be more compassionate towards us if we came home dirty and muddied and unshowered and uh, we brought home the resources and we flopped onto the couch and they'd been home in the safety of their home um for the last week or whatever it was I feel like there'd be more compassion like there wouldn't be this competition I don't think there'd be this and I think they'd also say well yeah you do the negotiating, you do this. I feel like they would respect our word more because they'd have compassion and sympathy for what we do. But like now they can't, I don't think they can. And do you feel like it's a competition? Can. Do you feel like it's a competition in your, in or has been a competition in your household or generally in society? Uh, Maybe competition is the wrong word, but yeah, sure. Everybody wants to have a great career. Everybody wants to have the best career and they put their career before the family unit, right? Like no woman can even, most women could never consider being a stay-at-home mother. That's insulting. You know what I mean? They want their career at the expense of everything else. Um, that from my, for, for, from the, like, I shouldn't say that because now I feel like I'm like, saying they're responsible for this because they're not. I feel like it's an ideological injection um, that has come from outward, outside uh, the family unit. But anyways, um, I would guess I shouldn't say it's a competition, but what happens is there's no time for one person. Like you come home from work and you got to clean, you got to cook, you got to do all this domestic stuff. Dude, you, you don't even have time for yourself half the time. 
And same for the women. They don't have time for themselves to relax, to, to let loose and just chill because they work their 10 hours, then they come home, then they got their kids running around. And we all know kids could take the energy of one human being's entire life, uh, you know, just by themselves, boom. Uh, so for anybody to have to expel energy or for someone, or for all of us to expend, expel the majority of our energy outside the family almost seems like the family unit is dead should be forgotten like like i mean that's a radical statement and i don't believe that i'm just saying that's what it feels like um like i feel like in today's world this is going to be a really radical statement dude i'm going to say it i'm just going to say it i don't i think men should be careful and start protecting themselves i don't think that they should get married i don't think that you know like we need to continue to the human race somehow but Dude, I don't know. Like, I'm starting, like, fr from what I see, it's like, it almost feels like it's it's not impossible for, sh it's definitely not impossible, but it's it's a life of misery to an extent <laughs> sometimes, you know? Like, like you said, dude, if, like, we live overseas, and if our wife, for any reason, wants to leave us, well, we lose everything, right? I mean, this house is a perfect example. I don't get anything. I think a lot of women, I was talking about this with my wife today, is a lot A lot of women don't realize the sacrifice that men make to be fathers. Yeah. Like, what do you actually sacrifice? Do you sacrifice the freedom to be globetrotting, um, focusing on yourself, spending your own money on you and other people that you want to? Um, you've got an ex a crazy amount of freedom in the sense of, your work and your career and, and study. And, uh, you know, you, there's no, there's no rules, um, and responsibility. You know, when you decide I want to be part of a family and be a father, it's like a lot of that gets thrown in the bin. You know, you lose a lot of your freedom and you, you have this commitment and responsibility. And then you do that because you want to be part of something else and you want that to grow and you respect and you buy into that. Um, yeah. and if you buy into that and then, not respected or loved then it's a hundred percent it's misery you know because yeah. look at what you've sacrificed to be part of and you're just really controlled i think as men the one thing that we valued is is freedom is the the sense of release and freedom it's a very um a very strong emotion it, the, the desire to conquer and um experiment and to, to dominate to dis explore discover all those primitive emotions as well so yeah man maybe um maybe in the traditional days of men and women, maybe there was a power imbalance and that's what, you know, the feminists that I shouldn't say the feminists, but that's what people don't like about the, the imbalance of the, the family unit where the man has more power because he's, you know, he's supplying the resources and then therefore he can, if he wanted to be more uh, exploitative or more abusive, but it doesn't mean that men are going to do that and are that right so just yeah. because and yeah. i don't believe i don't believe that they were uh, that's mm. the story that we tell but why right. would a man sacrifice everything he had to begin with why didn't it, he just go to work and fuck whores that sounds great to me dude like it's easy i forget yeah. who said it but but the only somebody said i don't know if it's a comedian but the only women worth giving money to are whores and <laughs> i forget who it was and i don't really agree with that 
but why would would a man actually invest all his resources into a family because he wanted to oppress a woman? No, it's just like what it do you want? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't what make do you, any sense. Yeah, as a man, what do you want? You want to come home and you want your wife to be happy and to have looked after your children, right? Yeah. And, and raise them and and protect them and give them love and spend time with them. And I think it's a, a sacrifice for women to do that too, in the sense of okay, they, they don't earn money, but they they're also gaining um that resource and a, a safe space and they're being protected and they're being provided for. And there's yeah. a lot of benefits that come with that. Uh, and, and there's a lot of safety and a lot of um, their mental health is protected in some ways too. But it's, it's a tricky, it's a tricky balance because we don't want to diminish people into their, into their tip, you know, into their typical gender roles, but there is a lot of positives about women and men that have been able to, women that have been able to stay at home with their children and, and raise them, give them all that mm -hmm. love and that time. And then when they're ready and when they choose to, they can go back to work when they are ready, not when they have to financially. And a, yeah. a man come, comes home and it's like, okay. And, and is there anything wrong with a man coming home and, and, and wanting that there's a, there's a meal cooked on the table, right? It's, it sounds very sexist, but if, I'm home if when I'm home all day. Well, obviously not if she's working too, right? Like right. That's, that's but if I'm that's a sure, unrealistic sure. and and that so that's the world we're living in is that meal on the table should, is actually never going to be there unless the man can provide for her a comfortable, happy life where she doesn't have to work. Exactly. Or maybe she work part time. Yeah, and if she's if she's not working and she can you know she can look after her husband in that way. Like, man, I, I cook every day for my family. I cook every day. I cook, you know, and I get here before she does. So I'm not going to expect my wife cooks um, when I can. But at the same time, like if I if I work those longer hours and my wife was here, I would like the way I see it is kind of like help. Who can help? Who can help out? Who can do those chores? Who has the most capacity to do them? Right. And it's just about sharing. And that's the thing. Like you're, you're sharing your resources as a man. And again, it can get biological and primitive and women looking for the you know men to provide and they want high paying high status men to provide more because they want a type of you know quality of life but it's pretty simple is that most men work and we provide provide resources and we i think if you decide to have a family you're okay with sharing all of that because that's what you want to do is that you want to share your resources to build your family and protect your family unit. And that's fine. Uh, and that's a great thing. It's a noble thing. And that's the same thing about what you say about your house. It's kind of like, you don't care about, you know, don't care about paying mortgage payments. If you're not there, it's about, is my family protected? Are they, is my son provided for, right? That's, you know, I can, I could have had all my savings, kept them all to my little self. Right. But then what's the point, you know, what's the point of having money if you've got no one to share it with, right? That's the, that's what makes money a beautiful thing is that you can enrich your own life with experiences and, and kind of enrich the lives of others that you care about. You know, that's the point I think of, of, of money when, it, when you're talking about it from the family point of view, right. And society. So, yeah, I don't think that men were generally, you know, exploitative and, and abusive, um, I think the roles have changed. Because love truly exists. Because love truly exists. And that's why they weren't exploitative. Because what they wanted was love. And they and, and immediately, you know, 
when your wife or my ex-wife was mad, dude, there's a fucking storm cloud inside the house. Makes you want to fucking dig a bunker and crawl in it and never come out. I mean, that's how powerful my wife is, dude. When she's mad, fucking A, bro. I'm scared. I'm scared. Not physically. I'm scared about losing my son, losing my visa so I can't even visit my son. I'm, I'm scared about all those things, man. It is scary, bro. It is the scariest thing I've ever been through in my life. And I've been through some fucked up shit. But this is a... Dude, there's nothing more that I fear more... <laughs> than a really resentful angry woman they they scare the shit out of me dude my wife scares me man like i don't understand where so much hate can come from sometimes um and that's you know well whatever dude i think they've been through a lot and as the world changes i think that they're oftentimes women are chasing something that they actually don't really want i think women still want children and family i do but they've been blindsided. They've been trained to believe that working for someone that doesn't respect you, gives you money so you can buy material things is better than having a happy family. I mean, they've been tricked, duped. Um, I really believe that. And so with that being said, I do want to just, I believe in love, dude. And I believe in forgiveness. And I believe in, I want families. I want happy families. I, I think that Marriage was, you heard me, past tense, a beautiful, beautiful thing. I, I, I want to warn young men now, maybe to really take your time. Because we don't live in that romantic world that we still dream of. Like when I, my wife and I met, I was like, yeah, dude, this is awesome. I'm finally going to have that dream, man. My own family. This is so, oh, I can't wait. It's so beautiful, man. I love it. Happy days, right? I'm just have like a rerun of all these different movies and stories that I've heard from Hollywood talking about how beautiful life's going to be. Young men, it's uh, it's not that world anymore. And Stephen and myself are in a foreign country, so we have those issues. But even back in the United States, it's the same thing. They get half minimum. So be careful. I would say don't buy... In today's world, unless we can fix something, I'd say buy the house in your own name and don't get married. Don't bring the law into it. Find a woman that's willing to negotiate with you to that extreme. I don't, I'm sorry. Like I don't, unless you're religious, then you're being pressured by the religion, but also built in religion is they don't like divorce. Divorce is not a thing, right? They want the family to be happy. All religions do. The family unit is the foundation of religion. Um, it's the most important thing in the world. Uh, so that's a different story, but you better make sure that her, her friends and her family are all on the same page and following that teaching. Um, otherwise, if it's any other circumstance, I recommend not ever getting, bringing the law into it. Be very careful about having children and make sure when you buy, if you're going to buy property that you buy it in your name only, because these are the forces of leverage that give you a footing on this slippery, slippery ice slope of manhood in today's postmodern world where I feel Nothing like the only value we are, the only value we are is this, this like social handout. Hmm. Food stamps, dude, housing allowance. We're just a resource meant to be used by the family. 
Now, I'm not saying don't have a family. Just do it very cautiously and make sure that you are the center of your own financial stability and that you maintain your resources. Because that's what we've been converted to is just a pile of resource. If that's the case, well, we better be the best at what we are to our ability. So you might as well make your resources yours. And I don't mean that like don't share with other people. No, what I'm saying is be very careful about line, like bringing law into it and putting like other people's name on stuff because your only value is what you can give others. Um, from men to men, we, we give knowledge and experience and that's our wealth. Um, um, but just be careful, just be careful because I'm going through a shit storm and it seems like everybody's life, you know, if you're an, you know, American father, um, and you get a divorce, well, she's guaranteed entitled to half of anything you have. And then after that, you still pay child support, no matter how evil she is. She can do anything she wants to do to hurt you, and you still have to pay that. So just be mindful of that. Really vet your women. I believe in we should bring matchmakers back, dude. We should have people that are employed to, to match. And I think they, they should be not just outside third-party employer. They should be a part of your inner community. Um, I really believe in that. I really believe that we've gone down the wrong road and it's hurting everyone. Yeah. I think that's a great way to, to wrap this up. You know, the, the same question is that, you know, that we started with is, do you believe in love and is love a real thing? And maybe it is, um, but there's a lot of things that need to be nurtured and protected at the same time. And I would add to that is that you probably want to be protecting as a man, your mental health, number one. Is that who you are, what you're doing, protecting that, protecting your, your relationships around you. And if you can, protecting the mental health of your partner, because as you said, if she's in a bad place, you know, everybody suffers, basically everybody suffers. And it's, it is a storm. A, the woman is the queen of the household and she's such a powerful force. Um, and when that feminine energy is directed in the right way, it's, it's a, a wave of, of beauty Divine. and yeah, it's divine. And so that's, that's the right word. It's beautiful and it's divine. It's nurturing. It's loving. It's, it's caring. And it's, um, it's, it's so many different things. It's, uh, it's magical. So, you know, protecting her mental health, if you can, especially after you have children, because I feel like after you have kids, it's, you know, that her mental health can really deteriorate very quickly and, and so can yours. So, you know, protecting your own mental health primarily and, and making sure that you're ready to deal with the world and deal with uh, those conflicts and, and being patient with your partner, but it's, it's, it's tough. Um, but I think, you know, the two things, there's a lot of men out there that really, I think suffer a lot after a divorce. I've got a couple of other friends that are experiencing something simple, uh, uh, something similar where they're divorcing or they're going through a divorce and it's just, they're just feeling destroyed. Um, some of them have lost more of their identity than others, but it's just it's just very um, destructive to our sense of purpose and our identity. Um, so yeah, I think you should be aware of that to kind of understand, as John said, that these relationships are super powerful, but there's that vulnerability and you know, just how do you protect yourself and kind of make sure that you're with the right person at the right time, you know, choosing carefully. Uh, because 
again, there's that trust. And once you, once you choose that person, you say, yes, you know, I'll let you into my life, into my world, into my reality, to my money, into my heart. And that's the most important thing is like your heart. Then you don't want to just let anyone um, be a part of that. So there's, it's, it's, it's tough, man. And I'm feeling for, for you. I feel like there's a lot of, um, I don't want to use the word lessons. There's a lot of really powerful experiences that shape um, our perspective and ideologies. You know, all I can say is, yeah, um, I guess try to, from your, the, the thing I would say to you, John, is that, you know, keep tackling it with a bit of humor because I think that will help in the, in the processing it, in the processing those experiences that it's not all doom and gloom and you can kind of, you know, you can, you can kind of laugh at it a bit because uh, it, I think it's a much more positive way of dealing. And with should. It. Yeah. Much more positive than dealing with it with, with just negativity and, and resent resentment and pain and suffering, even though those, those negative emotions are there as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I believe, yeah, you got to always stay positive because if you think positive, then you feel positive and then positive things uh, stem or bloom out of that. Um, but I guess my last rant was just to just to make young men mindful um, that all institutions, current institutions, or most of them are stacked against the family. The only institution that remains that is for the family is religion. And if you ain't got religion, well, you got to choose something. But education is meant to create workers so everyone going to school is a worker so you got to keep that in mind all hollywood media the news is against the family you have to understand that social media is against the family so the family unit so you have all these forces and that is everything that everybody interacts with is against the family so if you want to have a family you better really figure out how to do it and be mindful of all the forces that are stacked against you um but it is possible i do believe in hope i do believe that if you build strong relationships and you treat everybody well you enter everybody's life and pass through it making them feel better do better you know uh i do believe anything is possible i just saying right now um in this hyper-connected time um, that you need to be very careful. Yeah, man. Well said. Well said, John. And thanks for sharing some of that stuff, man. I know it's super personal. It's, it's still pretty fresh. Um, it's really real. And, and um, you know, I hope that people, anyone listening to this, that they can really learn from your insights and, uh, you know, sort of traverse some of those waters with a little bit more knowledge, but um yeah, man, I just appreciate you opening up and I feel like it might be it might be good for the process too and, and allowing you to process some of those emotions. So it's yeah, thanks for being brave enough to open open yourself up, man, and uh and sharing those experiences. Yeah, no problem, dude. It's therapeutic. Someone's gotta do it. We gotta be sometimes you gotta be cold hard honest, man. But I feel like honesty isn't really what people want anymore. You know, the truth isn't what we pursue. The illusion is what we pursue. Mm. That doesn't but, mean it's all bad. I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm saying let's just be honest. Yeah, and and maybe it's it's confronting, and maybe people aren't honest with themselves, or or, 
for whatever reason. But I know for myself that the more honest I am and the more real I am, the more authentic I am, the the better it is for me and the people around me because it just the the whole quality conversation is, is just much more richer with with real stuff, right? So I try not to skirt around the um, or beat around the bush, as we say in Australia, or skirt around the issue. It's the more honesty I can I can articulate. And sometimes it's sometimes it's really hard to articulate those emotions because you know you might be processing them for the first time and not understanding how you feel and and um, processing a lot of negative emotions like um, resentment and and hate and pain and and guilt and suffering and which is really tough. So you know, there's a, there's definitely a healing process there with anyone that's experiencing uh, a breakup um, at any level. So yeah, man, I appreciate your honesty and and um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully putting this out there, you know, might some people might benefit from it. Um, if not, we've at least had a a really good conversation. Understand, I'm just one person with one set of experiences, and my word isn't the truth for anyone except for myself. But uh, it is good to vent, and we all should be able to share our ideas and be accepted for that. So, um, thank you all. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, you're welcome, John. Thanks for thanks for being here. Appreciate it.